0: Lord God, we come before you tonight um, in the short time that we have to continue to talk about evangelism and sharing the truth of of your word and having open doors with people. And I pray that as we take a look at how to have uh, effective conversations with people, um, that you would really get us to think through maybe some things that we have not handled properly with people in the past, um, the ways that we can represent you better with opportunities in the future. Uh, Whatever it is, God, I pray that you would pierce our heart and convict us. And help us to see what it is that we need to do to be more faithful. So thanks again. Thanks for everyone here. I pray for those that are not here with us. Um, I pray that that they would uh, just keep walking with you and take advantage of the opportunities that they have to minister uh, to you and to people all around them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be talking about evangelizing effectively qualities to promote good gospel conversations. These are different things that um, I have learned, um, and a lot of this I also pulled from our missionary Brian Clark uh, in England. Um, because these, these are just very, very practical. And so uh, we have kind of have a mashup of some different things that I've learned along the way. A lot of this from Brian Clark, and I t- tweaked and added some verse references in there that we'll take a look at. Uh, but these are just really, really good things. So when you talk to people about spiritual things, these are things that you need to keep in mind. And I guarantee you that if you do this with people, you will have phenomenal conversations. Even if they completely disagree with you at the end of it it all, you're going to have a really good conversation with them because at the end of it, you are going to leave them with the feeling that you respected them, even if they disagree with you. Because I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is that, you know, and, and I've done this and I'm sure you've done this too, but you get into debates and arguments and we worry about winning the argument instead of actually loving people and caring about them and giving them the truth in a way that they can understand it. It's more important that you love someone and you tell them the truth than it is for you to be right. Because you're going to get into some heated arguments with people because there's a lot of people that just want to fight about this stuff. So if you're going to do these things, then you will have good, good conversations. All right, so first of all, make eye contact. And This is something that a lot of people are not good at, but make eye contact when you're talking with people. Do not be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of people. Right, Kent? That's a little creepy. You give me that kind of eye contact, that will actually creep me out, and I won't want to talk to you. So there's a proper way to give eye contact. Make eye contact, but do not be afraid of them. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and someone take verse 7. Verse 7. Go ahead, Sam. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Okay, so this also means, and this is letter B, if God did not give us the fear we are feeling, then it is from our flesh. It's very important. Every time I share the gospel and any time I, you know, even even up here, like when I teach, um, when I preach on Sunday mornings like I'm going to on this Sunday, Um, I get very fearful and I have to understand that God's not giving me that fear. That's something inside of me that I need to deal with. And so sometimes we don't share the gospel because we're afraid of people. But if you make eye contact with someone and you're not afraid of them and you really work on not being afraid of them and recognizing this fear that I have is not from God, because think about it this way. God desires for you to talk to them, right? I mean, God died for them you know, that's what the Bible says, First John 2, 2. He died for them. He wants them to be redeemed. He wants them to be saved. And so God does not want you to be afraid in talking to them. He doesn't. You can have all the confidence in the world. It's just the issue if we're going to believe those sorts of things and actually believe that and move forward. Go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. I love this passage. It really helps me when I start to get afraid of sharing the gospel or talking to somebody about something difficult or, um, you know, even just sharing the truth to someone who I think might be resistant. All right. Verse 17. So God is speaking to Jeremiah, and this is not going to be an easy mission for him, and he knows that, and so God's trying to encourage him, and he tells him this. Thou, therefore, gird up thy loins, and arise, and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. All right, so I'm just going to pause there for a second. So if you, and and I've been this way, where you start to talk to somebody about something, and just by the look on their face, it throws you off. Just by the way that they're responding or the way that you think they're responding, it starts to throw you off, and then you start to kind of trip up over your words, and then you look like an idiot. So this is exactly what God said. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. So if you're going to speak the truth, and the way that you speak the truth in love, like the Bible talks about... And you start to look at their faces and if they start to be kind of discouraged or angry or whatever, and then you let that affect you, then you're going to, like God says, you're going to be confounded before them. You're going to look like an idiot. You're going to look like you don't know what you're talking about. Where you need to resolve in your heart, I need to share the truth regardless of the outcome because that's what God wants me to do. And I love God and I love this person. And then it will work out. It'll work out okay. And then look at verse 18. For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city, an iron pillar and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. So you got to know, Jeremiah, that you're going to get some resistance. They're going to fight against you, but don't let that worry you because I'm with you. And that's something that we need to keep in mind. In fact, um, I have it on the backside of your guys' study sheets of maturing into a minister of Jesus Christ. I'm actually going to switch that. Next week, I want to talk about how to deal with spiritual warfare and persecution. Um, Because when you're going to be sharing the gospel with people, that's going to happen. And you already just need to resolve in your heart. So we're going to be talking about maturing into a minister later. And and we'll get to that because that's another topic I do want to spend some time talking about. But we're going to talk about how to deal with persecution and spiritual warfare effectively like God was instructing Jeremiah here in chapter 1. All right, so make eye contact with the person. If you make eye contact with the person, you are going to start off that conversation very, very well. And don't be afraid of them. Number two, listen and use their names. Listen and use their names. Think about it this way. Someone quote John 3.16. All right, we all started. We might as well just say it together. For God so love of the world... excellent <laughs> excellent excellent so john three sixteen. so whosoever right he died for all whosoever very clear so god is not a respecter of persons and so you have to understand that that person that you're speaking to is very very valuable to god very very valuable to god and they should be valuable to you too they should be so valuable to you that you look at them with respect and that you remember their name Now, when dealing with people, and I don't know how many of you are this way, some of you are just machines and you just remember people's names like crazy, but most people are not that way. When you meet someone brand new, we tend to forget people's names, and then we look like an idiot, because then when we see them next, we're like, hey, you, (laughs) what's up, man, and then we're waiting for someone else to use their name, (laughs) that's right, that's their name, or then you ask somebody else. Okay, so... Just get it down the first time, and you've got to work hard at doing this, but respect them as a person and remember their name. And here's a great way to do it. Remember their name. Use it in a sentence as you're talking with them, which is one of the things here is use repetition to help you remember. But if you're praying for people, you will remember their name. And when you pray for them, use their name when you're praying for them, and you will remember their name. You will. You will. So it's really important, very important. And people notice that. I have been in circumstances where people have come to the church, and I have just met them in the hall, and it's their first time here, and I get to talk to them, and then um, they come back the next week, or they might come back two, three, four weeks later, and then I see them in the hall, and I say, hey, and I use their name, and they turn around, and they're shocked because they're like, I didn't expect you to remember my name, and it means a lot to them, a lot to them. So if you're going to give someone the gospel, love them like God does. God knows their name, and you should too. Listen and use their names. All right. Number three, listen and affirm them as individuals with souls. And that kind of goes hand in hand with number two. So if you're going to interrupt their day and to ask them a question, ask them about Jesus, they need to be heard. So this is that part of that conversation where you say, hey, what do you believe about Jesus? listen to their answer, like legitimately listen to their answer. Even if it is off the wall, psycho, like you're regretting even starting a conversation because they're starting to worry you because they're going to stalk you when you're done. Like whatever the case might be. (laughs) I didn't hear anything. Um, Whatever the case might be in, in that circumstance, you need to make sure that you are respecting them and that you are listening to them. It's critical that they see us genuinely listen care and be interested in them the balance is for us to be more interested in communicating jesus to them that is the most important thing go to second peter three we know this verse but i want you to look at this because it is so critical so critical second peter three 2 Peter 3, verse 9. Give me a reader. Go ahead. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to us, we not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So that last half of the verse, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You need to remember that. You need to remember that that is God's nature. That's in his heart. So that should be in your heart as well. This also comes into play, and this is going to get more on the ministering side of things, but this comes into play too with, um, like, as you guys are learning to minister to people, like sharing the gospel is ministering to somebody. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but it's ministering to somebody because you're telling someone the truth and how to be redeemed. So you are ministering to them. Well, if somebody is a fellow believer, like you find out that someone is a Christian, and they're going through something that's really, really difficult in their life, or they just seem to be down and out, or you find that there's something going on in their life that you want to ask them about, or maybe they're living in sin and you find out about it and you want to talk to them about it, you need to speak with them with the equal amount of respect as well. Because people can tell, most people can tell right off the bat if you actually care about them or not. Like you don't do it just because, well, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to go up and talk to this person. Because this happens all the time. Like, if you spend any amount of time in here, you will find that there are certain people that kind of hang off to the side and they don't talk to anybody. Or you might find that there are some uh, senior high students that go to the main service, but they never come here. And so you should feel a tug in your heart to go and talk to them and to try to get them involved. You should. That's part of being a minister. However, if you do it just because, well, this is what I'm supposed to do, and, well, I tried talking to them. Well, how how did you try? Did you try... Like, how many times? Well, once. Did he go anywhere? Well, no. And they really didn't respond. Okay, so then you quit? Well, yeah. Okay. Then you really didn't mean it. You really didn't care about that person as an individual soul that God cares deeply about. I mean, did God quit on you? Did he like, oh, yeah, tried to uh, reach them one time, uh, they rejected, and I'm done. <laughs> no, God does not do that with people. He never gives up on people. As long as there is breath in a person's body, God never gives up on them. So the same thing for you with sharing the gospel with ministering to people to reaching out to people getting them involved caring for others people can tell and it's something that's very very important so you have to genuinely care for them and so you have to be more interested in communicating jesus to them and wanting what god wants for them all right so that's number three number four speak in a tone that is conducive to a conversation that's important (laughs) very important Uh, that means no shouting matches um you know Don't be rude. You know, there's lots of things that are in there. All right, go over to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15, verse 1 and 2. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. All right, so if you are in a conversation with somebody and they are disagreeing with you and they start to get all riled up and you decide to match their volume and get equally as irritated and you begin fighting, um, all you're doing is you're stirring up anger. You're making matters worse. Don't do that. Don't do that. You can actually give them a soft answer. Like let's say someone starts getting ticked with you about something. I mean something very simple is like, hey, just relax. I'm not trying to fight with you. This is just something that I was on my heart that I really wanted to share with you. Or and now depending on who this is, this could actually make them angry. <laughs> you could say, now and you can maybe even qualify before you even say it, or you can say, now I'm not trying to be sarcastic and I don't be I'm not being mean by saying this and I hope that you don't take it this way. But what has happened in your life to make you so angry about God? And I don't mean that to make you mad, but I'm genuinely interested because you are really mad about this. And I want to know what what what's happened? Has, has there been a bad experience? Have you gone to a church? Is there something with your family? Because I just want to understand. I want to understand where you're coming from. Now, someone who's sane and logical, because there are certain people that aren't um would respond to that by maybe genuinely opening up to you and actually telling you something that they've never told anybody before so you just need to think through things you need to think about things from people's perspective oftentimes people that are angry are the people that are the closest it's the people that are apathetic and don't care that are the most dangerous and that's the same for you guys in here that have grown up in church the most dangerous people that do nothing for the lord are people that are apathetic and they don't care because they just, they have the spirit of just, nah, whatever, when really, are you kidding me? These are things that are are eternal in weight and value, and people's souls are on the line, and you just don't care about it? So those are things that are even more dangerous than someone who's angry. Look at verse 2. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. So if you keep fighting with somebody, you're going to look like a fool just like them. And you're going to pour out more and more foolishness. But if you hear them as an individual and you care for them as a person with a soul as God does, as you hear their angry words or their frustration about religion, then you can actually think about that, put yourself in their perspective, and still try to reach them. And it will make you more effective. It will make you much more effective. So speak in a tone that is conducive to conversation. Remember, our gospel presentations are a conversation. Conversation. You should be looking for conversations. Gospel presentations are a conversation. It's just not you preaching to them. It is a conversation. Each will ebb and flow a little differently because people are different. People are unique. Seek to project softly and kindly, yet be bold, confident, and persuasive. Consider that your posture and countenance, your countenance, will speak to them as importantly as your words. That's very, very important. Very important. And then here's a couple of good quotes about posture and tone. Your uplook determines your outlook. So if you have the right perspective, then uh, that will help your perspective with that person. And then I could hear your voice, but not your words. People have said those things before. So, and I'm sure you've been in those circumstances before that all you hear is the volume, but you don't hear what the person's actually saying. Um, Those do not promote good gospel conversations at all. All right. Number five, be honest and put yourself out there with each conversation. So, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Alright, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And this kind of goes with our first point here on letter A. Work hard for the Lord believing each opportunity will lead to their salvation i think sometimes we are going to conversations already defeated um that this person really doesn't want to hear what i have to say and i'm just going to ruin their day um you know they're not going to believe me there's no way this person is going to get saved you know and that's the reason why sometimes we don't even share the gospel with people because we're like yeah there's no way i mean the way they live their lifestyle they're they're not going to get saved And we already talk ourselves out of having the conversation. Well, let me just tell you, there are people that I went to high school with that I know now. They are born again now. And in high school, I never thought in a million years that they would be saved. Never. And I didn't try, really, with them when I should have. And thank God somebody got through to them. And something unfolded in their life to get them to pay attention. Uh, But I know in those couple cases that I'm thinking of, it wasn't me. I mean, I may have had a good testimony... And that was something that God used, no doubt, um, but there are certain people that I would have never shared the gospel with because I just thought that they weren't interested. you can't never do that you're not God, you don't know you don't know someone's heart you don't know what's going on, um, so never limit your scope of who you're going to reach just by their appearance or what you assume about them. Look at second Corinthians chapter four verse one, therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not, so he doesn't quit. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And then here's where it gets into some more practical sub. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So first of all, I just wanted to show you, in verse 3 and 4, it talks about how the gospel is hid to them that are lost, that the God of this world, the devil, is going to try to work extra hard to keep blind people blind and it says that very clearly lest the light of the glorious gospel who is the image of god should shine unto them so you should understand that someone that is lost that they are held captive by not only their flesh but also the devil and that you understand that about them and that you are actually on the winning side of this whole conversation and it should give you a boldness with them knowing that god could use you to completely open up their eyes to take off the blinders that the devil's trying so hard to keep on them we go into this thing thinking like i said that we're already defeated and the conversation's over but do you understand that you have the key that can unlock unlock everything i mean it could be the one conversation that this person needs in order to finally see the truth for the first time and so if we don't have that conversation then that key will never be used and so then they remain blind And did you ever think that maybe one of the big reasons or one of the big tools the devil uses to keep people blind is you not saying anything? Have you ever thought about that one? That maybe, maybe the way that the God of this world keeps people blind is not by interfering with that person directly, but with you and discouraging you from saying anything in the first place. Because you could be the key, and he knows that. And so he may not have to work hard to keep this person blind. They're already blind, right? They're already blind. He doesn't have to keep them blind necessarily. It's stopping you from saying anything. So sometimes that pressure that you feel, that fear that you have inside, is not necessarily something that is about you. There could actually be unseen forces at work around you making you feel this resistance of sharing the gospel, and so, if you look at it from that perspective, when you start to feel that fear and that resistance of sharing the gospel, that should actually make you want to share it more. It should, it should, because there's a reason why someone or something's trying to stop you from sharing the truth. See, we got to look at this completely different. We have to. We've got to. Otherwise, you're falling right into the ploy of the devil to keep people blind. And lost because our mouth is closed and we never put ourselves out there to share the truth so very important just a few things to really think about and then letter B make sure that your motives are right each day if your motives are not right each day um, as you share the gospel and you head out into the world then you're never really going to share the gospel or you might a couple times but then you'll just quit because you're not doing it for the right reasons you're doing it just because well pastor steven told me to and we're talking about evangelism but three weeks from now when we're not talking about evangelism then i just go back to what i was doing before it's because our motives aren't right if your motives are right and you really see people like we're talking about and you really believe god and how god died for them and how much he cares about them and you see spiritual warfare properly and how it affects other people then you're going to have the right perspective and you'll be able to be much more on the ball with sharing the gospel all right so number six Remember two important factors as you speak. And this kind of goes hand in hand with what we just talked about. Um, Go to Acts 17. Acts 17. Acts 17. Okay, so Acts 17, we're going to read this in a minute, but the Bible describes those who don't know God as lost and blind, like we just talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, yet not far from God. So, this is something very important that you need to think about as you consider people and have opportunities. So, Acts 17, <clears throat> Paul is preaching, he's on uh, Mars Hill. And, um, and it's funny because, um, you know, when you take a look at this, this is actually a, it's an interesting passage to really analyze evangelism tactics. Um, there was one circumstance where Paul was able to publicly stand before the philosophers of Greece and to share the gospel with them. And the end result was that there wasn't very many that responded at all, at all. And he never went back there ever again, by the way, at least not what the Bible says. Um, so there are certain ways that we think, well, if I could just reach this person and this could happen, it's not, it's probably not going to happen. It doesn't work like that. Uh, God always uses the small. He uses those that are quiet. He uses those, um, that are not really affluent to really make a huge impact, not people that already have the status. Um, most of the time, anyway, but he so he's preaching to them and he talks to them about the unknown God because they had a God in Corinth that was called the unknown God, and so he used that as a platform through which to share the gospel. But then it says in uh, verse 23, "...for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, declare unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things." and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the, all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation and then verse 20, 27 that they should seek the lord if haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us for in him we live and move and have our being as certain also of your, also of your poets have said, for we are also of his offspring. So he even finds another one of their poets to try to relate to them and try to get them to understand. But the principle here that you take a look at is that God, see, this is one of those verses that would actually be great with, um, um, I'm thinking of, I just met with Trevor uh, Baker for discipleship, and we were talking about the lunchline question of, um, you know, the one where it talks about like, you know, what if someone has never heard about Jesus? Like, basically, is it fair for someone to die and go to hell if they never had an opportunity to hear about Jesus and about the gospel? Which is a great, great question. A lot of people bring that one up all the time when it comes to oppositions to the gospel. But these two verses show you, especially verse 27, that God is near to every single person and that he has put something on the inside of every person that just happily, if they happily feel after him, which means that there's usually a tugging on their heart at some point in their life, that there is this God who has created things, even if they can't articulate it exactly. The God has put that in the heart of every single human being. And so he is not far from every one of us, every human being. And so you have to understand that someone might have the appearance that they are far from God and they want nothing to do with God. But that is not true. That is a lie because God is very near to them. He cares about them deeply. He wants them to be saved. And you have to be convinced of that, because that's the truth. That's what the Bible says. But we often feed ourselves with these lies in order to just stay comfortable and say where we're at rather than taking a step out and actually doing something about it. And then letter B, consider each person you meet as a divine appointment. We should be thinking, who did God arrange for me to speak to today? I like that one. So think about that. There are certain people that God puts in your path on purpose for you to share the gospel with them. And oftentimes we just blow past those opportunities. And who knows if God's going to do that ever again. Um, You know, like yesterday, you know, Megan was talking to me. She had an opportunity to invite um, a lady to church. So as we're cleaning out our, um, our garage from all the stuff that we have that we know we're not using anymore, she's selling a lot of stuff. Well, she sold... Um, I forget what exactly she sold I think it was a dresser Yeah, she sold a dresser yesterday So this husband and wife come over to the house And I was out wrangling the kids from the neighborhood And uh, and so this guy's wearing a t-shirt And it was a Christian t-shirt And it said, it was I think it was and Baptist Temple And it was something on there And so she said something about it And they had um, They kind of laughed a little bit But she could tell that, that they left that church With something bad happened And she didn't want to go into it with them But then she saw it as an opportunity because she asked, were you guys going anywhere now? And they're like, no, not really. And so then they kind of walked through different parts of the conversation. But eventually she got back to the wife and she said, hey, um, you know, wanted to invite you guys. She had the chance to share about our church, um, about what we believe, how we would love to have them. And even if they just wanted to come and just give it a shot for a Sunday and just check us out, that we'd be more than happy to have them. And that was just someone coming to our house to buy something from us. I mean, we didn't have to share anything, but they're coming to your house. You know, if someone is delivering pizza, like, they're coming to your house, like, right to you. It's right there. You know, you can give something to them. Waiters and waitresses, great opportunities there. And I know that, at least for our church, I think we do a pretty good job when our church goes out to eat that they leave tracks with people. And what I've found is that I get into conversations with waiters and waitresses because they're like, yeah, I actually have quite a few of these things. And then I'm like, huh, well, have you ever read them? And they're like, well, yeah, I have. What would you think about it? It's a very interesting. I and mean, then you can have a great conversation there too. So there's all sorts of opportunities if we just open up our eyes and we consider that who God puts in front of us is someone that we may never see ever again. And it could be that one person that God wants us to talk to that particular day. So Acts 8 is another really good one. Let's go ahead and turn there and we'll end in Acts 8 since we're already in Acts. But Acts chapter 8. All right, verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, ready, saith the prophet then the spirit said unto philip go near and join thyself to this chariot and philip ran i love his eagerness and philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet isaias and said understandest thou what thou readest and he said how can i except some man should guide me and he desired philip that he would come up and sit with him see you have no idea what someone is is going through and what god is working in their heart this guy is sitting in the middle of the desert no one else is around, and he's reading the book of Isaiah. And so he's reading the book of Isaiah by himself, and Philip is obedient, and he goes up there, and he notices he's reading Isaiah, and he's like, do you understand what you read? This is a great question. A great question. If anyone ever asks you, like, maybe you're carrying your Bible to school, and they say, um, oh yeah, I've read the Bible. I'm like, really? Yeah. Did you understand what you read? I mean, that would be a great question. That could then, well, I mean, I don't, it could spur off all sorts of conversations, that you have no idea about if you just take a chance to do it. And so then from there, as you kind of finish this out, Philip ends up leading him to the Lord, preaches Jesus out of Isaiah 53 based on the stuff that he was uh, quoting there. And then this guy ends up getting baptized. And as soon as the guy's baptized, the spirit carries Philip away to go do something else. And he probably never saw the guy ever again. I don't know. You have no idea. But this guy would have had great influence. I mean, not only was he reading the book of Isaiah... But he had great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. So this guy probably would have gone back and shared the gospel with the queen. And the queen probably got saved. And then all of Ethiopia is now affected by the rulership of a queen who is now born again and believing in Jesus Christ. So you have no idea what you're doing. I, I, I mean that in a good way. Um, you have no idea what you're doing. But when you share the gospel, you have no idea how it can affect other people. And I think that there's going to be some circumstances that you, one day, this is what I picture, one day you will get to heaven and you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I think that in that moment that he will show you, hey, remember when you gave that track to that person? Here's what I did with it. Remember when you had a burden for this other person and you wrote them a card and you shared some verses with them? Here's what I did with that. And here's how it affected all these other people. And you remember that time that you were super concerned about your friend that went to this other church because this church believed in false doctrine, and it was a mockery of me, and you, you love them enough to talk to them about it, and they seemed to not really receive it at that point in time, but then 10 years later, this is what I did with it. There's going to be all sorts of stuff like that that you have no idea what God can do. You have no idea. Our thinking is so small. It's so small. When you share the gospel, yes, think about that moment. Think about that person. But when you're sharing the gospel... God takes that and he does so many other things with it. Like, you know, the, the story of, of it's not even a story, the events of the feeding of the 5,000 back in the Gospels. Jesus fed 5,000 men plus the women and the children that were there. So it could have been close to 8,000 people. And how many fish did he have and how many loaves of bread did he have? Yeah. Two fish, five loaves of bread. Not enough to feed A group of 10. Unless they're on a diet. (laughs) And one's allergic to fish. And yet he takes it and he multiplies that and it feeds everybody. God is not willing that any should perish and that all should come to repentance. And so if you're just willing to put yourself out there, even though it's something small and seemingly insignificant to you, he takes that And he does some amazing things with it. This is what he does. God's in the business of doing things like that. Things that you think make zero impact, those are the things that are going to make the most impact. The things that you think are going to make the most impact really don't make much of an impact. (laughs) It's weird, but that's what God does. And I love that about him because it's humiliating in a good way. We learn to trust him more and start doing things that we may not think actually make much of a difference, but they really, really do in the end. All right. So that's that. So these are some great things to think about. So think about that. Making eye contact with people. Listen and use their names. Listen and affirm them as individuals with souls. Speak in a tone that is conducive to a conversation. Be honest and put yourself out there with each conversation. And remember that the Bible describes them as lost and blind, yet not far from God, and that God may have just put you in their path for you to share the truth with them. So things to definitely to think about. And so with this, um, next Wednesday... We're going to be talking about um, how to deal with um, persecution and spiritual warfare. So it's a, that's a topic we could actually spend like several weeks on. So we're just going to hit it at a very high level. But as you get out there and you start doing some of this stuff, you're going to hit some resistance. And so we need to think about it the right way. So we're going to talk about that next week, and then uh, we'll go from there. All right, any questions before we end about evangelizing? Any comments? Rick? I
1: would say the biggest thing you know, that goes with into and time lesson is Look for things that you have in common Mm -hmm. with people. It's strange because it's that very prayer, ask the Lord put somebody in front of me. I ask that prayer, it happens. And a lot of times, I mean, the strange is, you know, I'll be walking somewhere, I'll see somebody's shoes, they got a pair of Jordans on. Mm -hmm. Or if it's a rare pair of Jordans, I'll point them out and say, Man, you got, you know, you got Jordan 12 Drakes. He's like, Yeah. (laughs) you in the shoes? Yeah, I'm in the shoes. And the next thing you know, you talk about shoes. I ask them, but then your conversation goes from, from shoes to you know, in the course of that, hey do you ever go you go to church anywhere? No, i don't go to church, man. You know, why not? No, just you know, go on holidays, this and that, you know, you just but it starts there and you get some thinking and then you just kinda of, like you said, you yep. make the eye contact and you be genuine yeah and just engage right. and have a conversation and a lot of times it's I've had great conversations that way but yeah. the thing is I've had a lot of conversations with you guys in here you guys have good communication skills by and large the majority of you and you, God's given you those gifts and it's a matter of now is your time to cultivate them mm-hmm. and start using them so start looking for these opportunities and I say, like you said, my said well, our leader said we should go do it <laughs> it's, not about, it's not about that right. praying about it and that, that nervousness will get minimized and you find something in common with somebody that you're talking with and your conversation starts to go towards spiritual things. Yep. And it's the Lord will use it. And it's so rewarding. It's such a blessing that you start doing those. And you guys, by and large, a majority of you guys have, have that gift of gab. Yeah. So you praying about
0: it. Yeah, time to start using it for good. Um, and the other thing too to keep in mind too is that you can say some pretty offensive and hard things to people if they know that you truly care about them like you'd be surprised what you can get away with (laughs) telling people if they know that you care about them but if you don't care about them then they're not going to let you get away with anything so that's a really good test of your heart too towards people so if you don't have the right heart towards someone then don't approach them but that's not an excuse to not evangelize get your heart right and go talk to them because they need you to so, okay. Yeah, Timmy. I don't know if it's a Thursday or Friday, but I'm pretty sure either Thursday or Friday this week it's a national Bring Your Bible to School Day. So nice. October 4th. Our mind is not Thursday. That's okay. But October 4th is Bring Your Bible to School Day. So. Okay, nice. Every day is Bring Your Bible to School Day. <laughs> yes. I know, but it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm just we should do that though. Randomly, we should put in our in the group me. Hey, it's National Bring Your Bible to School Day. Didn't we already have that, like, last month? Yeah, but it's doing it again. (laughs) It's the official, unofficial Bring Your Bible to School Day. But yeah, that's a good point. It's a good opportunity. Yep. (laughs) All right, any other thoughts, comments, questions, concerns? Rebuttals. (laughs) Okay. All right, let's pray and let's get out of here. Jack, you want to pray? Close this out? Yeah. Thanks.
1: You thank you for everything uh, you give us and thank you for waking us up today and loving us very and coming to church today. Thank you for receiving and the message you gave us tonight and pray with us. everyone presents and praying to you and